0: So, we moved to Charleston about a year ago. Um, in, in the season of the move, we knew we were kind of in this transition season. We had just been praying and asking the Lord, what's next?
1: We fell in love with Charleston and decided Charleston was the place that we were going to live. And we quickly fell in love with Seacoast and called Seacoast our home. But when we moved here, we did not know anyone. And... We knew that we wanted to make connections here, and we wanted friends that we could eventually call family. So then we joined the married small group launch, and we got connected with couples who were in this similar season as us, all moved to Charleston, majority of them, and they were all looking for friends as well as wanting to grow deeper in the relationship with the Lord.
0: For me and Holly, coming to a church that's so big, you can almost feel like, We've already missed out on all the stuff that's happening. We're outsiders, but to see that God had put us together with people in the same situation was just refreshing. And ever since then, now they've been our, our family. We've They've helped us move. They've helped us when we delivered our little girl a few months ago, um, they helped us when our apartment Flooded on Mother's Day, so, and then not only just on the on the, the physical side, but we've just grown so much together in our assignments and what God's called us to, and so it's been amazing.
1: I'm someone who is very close to my family that lives a thousand miles away, and so I love how the Lord is so tender and kind to me by bringing complete strangers into a new city that turns into that family, where the homesickness and the loneliness goes away because He has surrounded me with these people that not only love Him, but love me well too. So it's an opportunity to experience God's love on a deeper level.
0: Father in heaven, I need your help for what is ahead of me. Give me the strength to try. Give me the courage to fail. Give me this breath. Give me this lap. Give me endurance to last. Give me the race. Give me this day.
2: Well, good morning. So excited to be able to kick off our series, Give Us This Day. And we're going to be working for the next few weeks out of a chapter in the Bible that I I think is one of the most important ones and I say that about every chapter in the Bible because it's all important. But this is a, a very familiar passage, Matthew 6. This is where the Lord's Prayer is. And I'm actually uh, going to kind of talk us through the Lord's Prayer. And I'd like us to go ahead and say that together. Would you do that with me? We're gonna put it on the screen here. And uh, if you're watching um, in one of the ca- uh, campuses or online, just read this together. Um, this is the Lord's Prayer. Are you ready? Let's do it. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, that's straight out of Matthew 6 9 through 13, and we'll get to that text in just a second, but I and am reminded that we're just a few days out from our resolutions. How you doing? If, you're, if you've already broken them, um, you're in actually in good company. Statistically, uh, by the end of February, something like 85% of all resolutions have been broken by people. So, so hang in there, and I'm actually gonna give us, I think, some fuel for those resolutions because what a resolution really is It's language that we use to talk to ourselves to remind us of our commitment to God, really, if we're we're followers of Christ. But that's, that's the beauty of the resolution, right? But the fuel for it, I believe, is not in talking to ourselves, but in talking to God. And not really thinking about our commitment to God, but rather thinking about God's commitment to us. That's where the magic happens. And so I wanna talk to you about Prayer, what would it look like for you in 2020 to actually be a person of prayer? To actually be able to access God through your words. That's where we're going. And I want to like give us a couple of things that Jesus warns us about before we get into the Lord's Prayer. Um, because he, he's assuming we pray in this pra- passage. He, he says multiple times, and when you pray, and when you pray, and when you pray. And so, but before he gets into like kind of this teaching mode, he says, I need to warn you about two things that you're gonna be tempted to do when you pray. The first is, you're gonna be tempted to try and impress people with your prayers. Now that's in Matthew chapter six, verse five. Jesus says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, some you are like, man, I came to church and they called me a hypocrite. I did not. That was Jesus. You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love, these hypocrites love to stand and pray in church, in the synagogues, and on the street corners that they might be seen by others. It is very tempting in our prayer life to actually pretend to be a little farther than we are spiritually. And we do that with flowery words. I remember one time, uh, an early mentor of mine, we were praying together. And the first few times you pray in a group, let's be honest, it's weird and awkward. If you don't know what you're doing, if you didn't grow up in the church, you're just, everybody's got all the, and I, and I didn't really know a lot of Bible verses. So I start praying. And before you know it, like three to four minutes went by. And so after the meeting, he's like, hey, um, I asked you to pray Not preach. Because I was kind of teaching everybody else. You ever been in that situation where you're in some kind of prayer and they're like, they're not really talking to God, they're talking to the people that Jesus said, don't do that. All right, that's the first temptation. The second temptation is to try to manipulate God with your prayers. That's verse 7 of Matthew 6. When you pray, Jesus says, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. So the word empty phrases is a Greek word, which literally is gibberish. Jesus is saying don't just, don't just pray a lot of meaningless words. Don't just think that more words equal quicker answers. Right? That's not what prayer is about. Don't be ritualistic. Don't be mantra-like. Don't be mechanical. Don't think your words are some kind of magic, uh, you know, manipulative power that you have to get God to do what you want God to do. Now, I love it because Jesus tells us what not to do. And and I was just thinking, I'm like, okay, that kind of makes sense. But what Jesus is is saying is, I, I need to kind of reset your theology of prayer and a lot of times we and maybe some of us grew up you know grew up in a in a catholic tradition or a more you know liturgical church where you'd said the lord's prayer a lot and that's not a bad thing to do okay so but i don't think that's what jesus is saying is the main purpose of this prayer. It's not that we just go through the prayer, right? Or we say five to 10, whatever, and, and, and then we're good. I think what he's saying is, I want to give you a blueprint. I want to give you a structure. I want to give you a framework so that you can organize your prayers. It helps kind of in a, in a compass kind of way. It helps orient you to what North Star is. So the first thing he says is our father now that is about intimacy so what jesus is saying is you can actually pray with intimacy towards god what do you mean intimacy that sounds weird what that means is god is your father he loves to hear you are his son and his daughter that's how he views you that's how he sees you so when you talk it's not like an employee talking to a boss right? It, it's, it's not like a citizen talking to a police officer. It is a, a son or a daughter talking to their dad. Now, for some of us, that's hard because earthly dad wasn't so great. Earthly dad's conversations were awkward. Earthly dad talked more than he listened or, or gave you the silent treatment. So a lot of times we hear God the Father and we think, I'm, I'm going to project all my dad's stuff onto God the Father. That's the wrong way to do it, even though it's very real. And I kind of had a rough relationship with my dad, so I'm utterly sympathetic. But we have a good dad. We have a good, good father. We have a God who loves to hear us, loves to listen, and loves to speak. And he doesn't um, love us because we perfectly obey him, because we don't. He loves us because he loves us. It's not because we're really great people as much as it's because he's a really great father. And so you can come to him. He is your father. And the good news is he's not just my father, he's our father so that we can do this together. So we pray intimately. So this phrase, our father, governs the whole Lord's prayer. What do I mean by that? I mean that this is the basis by which we can pray. God doesn't hear us because we've like been perfectly obedient or we've done everything right or we've got this long spiritual track record. No, he hears you because you're his son and because you're his daughter. And so I like to do this like throughout the day and it gets a little awkward if people catch me do it, but, but I'll just say, I'm a son. I'm a son, you're my dad. I'm a son, you're my dad. I mean, it's just just something that my heart needs because I forget it so easily. Our Father, we can pray intimately. Now, our Father, the text says, is in heaven, and we are to hallow his name. And this, friends, is about reverence. We're to pray reverently. When's the last time you used the word hallow in a sentence? My guess is never, right? What does it mean? Uh, that's a word you will not use in 2020 uh, 20, probably very much. Well, the word hallow means that which is most important, that which is the supreme focus, your ultimate concern. That's what it means to hallow something. The thing that you hallow is the thing that you pray about the most. I don't know if you ever noticed this. Um, you start having money problems, right, or marriage problems, or kid issues, or your job gets kind of shaky, or your boss gets kind of crazy, or you have some health concerns. Notice how your prayer life heats up when that happens. Why, because that's what's important to you, that's what's relevant to you, that's what's impacting you. And what Jesus is warning us actually, he says you're gonna be tempted to make everything in and around your life the hallowed thing. And if you focus on that you're going to miss prayer because what you're supposed to make as your supreme aim as your ultimate focus is not your need but your God make your father the hallowed thing now the good news is when we do that God promises to meet our needs Matthew 6:33 says if we seek first the kingdom of God everything else will be added to us. In other words, he will take care of us if we are reverent in our prayer. So Jesus is our, is our dad, but he's a holy dad. So we pray reverently. We also pray submissively. The next part of the Lord's Prayer says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What Jesus is saying is I want you to pray a willful prayer I want you to think about your will, your desires, what you want, and I want you to actually submit your will to God's will. Now, this is not easy, people, because I got some stuff I want. How about you? I got some stuff I want. I got some stuff I want God to do, and let's do it, right? And a lot of times those are my prayer. And what, what Jesus is saying is prayer is not really about bending God's will, right, to meet my will. Prayer is more about God bending my will so that I can follow his will. Prayer isn't like a bunch of words where we soften God up. You know, you, my, my kids do this all the time. Like, I, I, like the, the, our little one um, will ask the, 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 for the same thing 27 different ways. You, got, you ever had a kid like that? Like, she will not take no for an answer. And after a while, it's like, all right, what do you want? I'm empty in pockets. I'm giving her 20s and whatever's, I'm, whatever. What do you want? Like, because she just won't stop. She won't stop. Well, a lot of us think that's what prayer is. We just kind of soften God up. Then, he, then we get what we want. But what, what Jesus is saying is, no, no, no. Prayer is about God softening us up so that we do what he wants. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The prayer of submission is an acknowledgement that our will is not best and God might know more than we know. Tim Keller said it this way though. He said, God always gives us what we would have asked for if we knew everything he knew. Isn't that beautiful? God always gives us what we would have asked for if we knew, if we knew, if we knew everything he knows. So, what, what, what's Keller saying? He's saying, "Listen, we, we aren't. Wait, aren't you glad God doesn't answer most of your prayers? I've prayed some stupid stuff, man. I'm like, and I just, I'm just like, I gotta have it. If God, if you don't do this, I'm not gonna make it. And if He would have answered that prayer, it would have destroyed things. So, if I knew what His will was." I would pray differently, and I think that's what Jesus is saying. Submissive prayer says, I don't have, I don't see the future. I don't know all the pieces. I don't get all you know all, all the people that need to be involved. I don't understand the, the process that, that you're putting. I don't get it, but I trust you. The psalmist says it this way in Psalm 34:7: Delight yourself in the Lord. Everybody say that with me. Delight yourself in the Lord. And then it says, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Say that with me. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, when I read that, I thought as a new newer Christian, I'm like, that's awesome because I do some God stuff, delight yourself in the Lord, and then God'll let me have a bunch of stuff. He'll give me the desires of my heart. But what I think that means is as we take delight in the Lord, as he becomes our greatest delight, our hallowed thing, then his desires, listen, become my desires, and so when I pray and ask for what I want, it's actually what God wants. Are you tracking with me? This is what happens in the place of prayer. Your desires change. My uncle used to say it this way, your wanter changes. Does that communicate? Your, what you want, your wanter your want are changed. You begin to want what God wants. You begin to love what God loves. You begin to hate what God hates. And when that happens, then your prayer life changes. Uh, the mystery of unanswered prayer is, is one of the hardest things, uh, honestly, in Christianity. But I, and, and sometimes we don't know. Like, we don't get it. God, why doesn't God heal? Why doesn't God? I don't know all the answers to that. But what I do know is that my heart at times is refusing to submit to a good and loving father. But when I do that, good things happen. And I think what he's telling us here is, listen, don't just want uh, stuff from God's hand. Surrender your will to God's heart. He's good, he's gonna give you what you need. So you am like, oh that's great, Darren. So what I'm hearing is, I can't pray about what I want, I gotta do this whole God thing, and. I'm not going to get much help. Well, I'm glad if you're thinking that way to tell you that you're wrong because the next thing says, give us this day our daily bread. This is about praying practically. We are told to pray for what we need. Bread in the first century and even now in, in countries all over the world, bread is like the basic building block of life. It is basic nutrition and this phrase give us this day is right smack in the middle of the prayer you say what, what what do you mean well let's go back he says first i want you to come to god as your heavenly father our father then i want you to praise god make him your hallowed thing then i want you to submit to god not my will but your will be done not my kingdom but your kingdom come and then and then I want you to ask God, give us this day our daily bread. God is committed to meeting our needs. Now, he did not say, give us this day our daily crab cakes. Give us this day our daily cheesecake. He said, give us this day our daily what? Bread. So, what I love to say is God is committed to meeting all of my needs and in his grace, some of my wants, but this is about what we need. And so people say all the time, "Well, I don't know what to pray about." Well, I got a question for you. I'll answer your question with a question. People say, "How do I pray? What do I? How do I pray? What do you need?" I, Pastor, I ask you, "How do I pray?" Yes, and I ask you, "What do you need?" Because that's where you pray. If you're tr- tr- struggling to fill uh, the, the air with some words, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need God to do? Well, I, I need a car. Okay, God can give you a car. I need a new car. God can give you a new car. Okay, I need a job. Okay, God can give you a job. I need a new job. Okay, God can give you a new job. I need a spouse. Okay, God can give you a spouse. I need a new spouse. God's not gonna give you a new spouse. <laughs> give us this day our daily bread. Then we can pray authentically. Now, this, is, this one takes some, a, little, a little work. Forgive us... Our debts is we forgive our debtors. The old translation, our transgressors and transgressors. So, but the new translation, debt. So, so forgive us our debt to you because of sin, and then we'll, we'll forgive people when they sin against us. Obedience to God has, has two dimensions. One is vertical, meaning we obey God, but then one is vertical, meaning we also obey. Love people. We love God, vert- vertical, and then we love people, horizontal. So he uses forgiveness, I think here, because it's a little bit out of place when you're reading it. You're like, okay, now we're talking about prayer and then now you go to people. What's that about? Well, I believe forgiveness is the core and, 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 and the, the, the meat, if you will, of Christianity. It's our, it's our biggest need. We need to be forgiven. I mean, that, that is what Christianity says, that we are sinners, that we're really bad sinners, but he's a really great savior. And so he loves to save sinners. That's what Jesus does. So we've got that problem. That's our biggest problem with God. We need forgiveness, but it's our hardest task in life, isn't it? When somebody really wounds you and hurts you, to forgive them, to release them, not necessarily to trust them, but to not live your whole life you know, in bitterness on what they did to you. That's really hard. It's really hard. And so I think he puts it in the prayer because he's saying, I don't want you to believe that you can just do all your God vertical stuff and not have to deal with the hard stuff of Christianity. I remember as a newer Christian, I asked um, one of my mentors, I said, listen, I need help. And it was, I remember it was the first of the year. I need help on how to pray. I'm so activistic. I like to read. I like to do stuff. But to sit and pray, even to this day, it's hard. It's not. So I said, Hey, man, help me. He's like, Okay, I totally will. We got some ideas. Uh, let me ask you this question What's the last thing God told you to do? And I lied and said, I don't know, but I knew. God, I had a situation where I was wounded by another Christian. And I felt like literally the night before that I was supposed to go over and talk to this person and forgive them. And I immediately went to sleep the night before and said, no, I'm not gonna do that. So when he said that, I knew exactly this is what God wants me to do. And what I was doing Is I was trying to use prayer as a substitute for my obedience. Any sinners like me in the house? You ever do that? Um, You you tell a friend, listen, I really need to have this hard conversation with this person. I need you to keep me accountable. Okay, great. You see that person the next week. Hey, did you have that conversation? I'm praying about it. Need some time to pray. Maybe you're doing that with your resolutions. I really need to eat better. So you didn't get really specific. I really need to eat better. And then next week, somebody, how's, that di- how's, it, how's your eating better thing? Well, I'm just praying about which diet. Right? See, what, what we do is we use prayer to avoid doing what God wants us to do sometimes. And that's what Jesus is saying, don't do. The psalmist says it this way. Psalm sixty-six eighteen 18 says, um, if I cherish iniquity, or that's another word for sin, in my heart, the Lord will not what? He's not gonna hear me. Does that, what do you mean? Like God can't hear, what, what, what the psalmist is saying is when you've got stuff that God has clearly told you to do, don't buy into the lie that you can talk your way out of it. Don't buy into the lie that you can just kind of like Jesus warned about in Matthew 6, you can manipulate God and, and, and just and and just kind of not what God doesn't play like that. And he will. <laughs> withdraw his presence at times. Not, not, not that you're not a Christian, but he, he'll like make you feel like you're not like, oh gosh, where are you? He'll arrange circumstances. He'll keep putting people in your path. Some of us, the best thing we can do in 2020 is to actually do what God told us to do in 2019. Just do it. You say, that's easy for you to say. I know, I got some hard stuff too. But I'm trusting that if I do what God has called me to do, that He is going to meet me in that place. So we pray absolutely, authentically, when we say, I will do whatever you want me to do, and I will refuse to use prayer as a substitute for that obedience. The last thing is this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is about praying cautiously. Now, I love this word, um, temptation, it's a, it's a word that sometimes is translated in the New Testament, test. So it depends on who the subject is. If Satan is the subject, it's a temptation. If God is a subject, it's a what? It's a test. So in a way, I think what Jesus is saying, pray that your tests don't become temptations that what God is doing in your life, in your marriage, with your children, at your job, don't don't let that character development that he's doing click over into temptation. Don't let what God is trying to build in you be destroyed by the enemy. Don't let my tests become temptations. And see, when when you understand and kind of tread carefully, listen, I don't know if you know this, this world is jacked up, man. You paying attention? I mean, we, we got some stuff going on in our world, right? I mean, there's, I mean, I don't even want to get into all of it, but there, there is so much turmoil, and it's hard to understand what's going on. And, and sometimes Christians are just like, well, just the joy of the Lord, everything's wonderful, and I'll just step out into this world, and everything will be great. Listen, it's a war out there. It's a battle, you should be cautious, Jesus is saying. There's temptation everywhere. And so it's not about fear. It's about faith that God is at work and then awareness that we live in an evil world. And I, and I love what he says. He, he, he says, um, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from what? Evil. When you understand that the world is evil, you actually expect temptation. You expect it. What you're tempted to do, and and I, I do it all the time, you're tempted to rename temptation. Instead of going, God is using my boss to teach me how to not have my own way at my work, which can help me Realize I don't get up my own way with God, and then gives me mercy and grace for my kids who always say, I wish I could have my own way. Instead of seeing it like that, we go, Let me rename that temptation. My boss is an idiot. Right? Instead of saying, God is at work, and some of you just experienced this at Christmas, in my crazy family, we go, They're crazy. I can't, I hope. Christmas is canceled next year. We don't have to see these people, right? <laughs> so don't rename it. And don't be shocked by it. It's coming. And, what, and what, what we are to do is to say, Lord, I want you to deliver me from temptation. Now, I pray a lot of times, not will you deliver me from t- temptation. I pray, will you deliver me from pain? He didn't say that, did he? In fact, Jesus did say, in this world we will have trouble because we live in a fallen world. He's not saying, pray so that you never experience pain. He's saying, pray that that you don't give in to evil. Big difference. For me, at times, I love my comfort a lot more than I love holiness. It's just, just how I am. I wanna change, but I need this prayer. So this is the prayer and Jesus gave it to us. And I love it because he didn't, he could have started it any way he wanted. He could have said, hey, when you talk, you can say our King, our Lord, our God, our Creator. But what does he say, church, our what? Our Father, our Father. Crawl up in his lap and talk to him. I always ask this question, it's a weird question but I want you to think about when you pray, what expression does God have on his face? For some of us, it's this. For some of us, it's this. For some of us, it's it's a frown. But here's what I wanna tell you, and this is the good news of the gospel. Because of Jesus, and those of us that have ceased being our own saviors and trusted Christ to be the Lord of our life, we have, listen, the eternal smile of God. He's disappointed sometimes, but he still is committed and loves us. He's got a smile. So when you pray in 2020, I don't know how, how you think about God. So it's it's kind of hard because God's, a, the Father's a spirit. We got Jesus on the earth. He's a Middle Eastern guy in his 30s. I mean, how do you, but just, just somehow just go, he's pleased with me. Not because I'm good and great, but because Jesus is good and great and I am in Jesus. Our Father. See, our Father. He didn't say our genie. So you don't have a genie that's gonna give you whatever you want. But you do have a father that's going to give you exactly what you need. And so this year, as you make all your resolutions, and I pray that you get, be able to keep them and lose the weight and, and get connected more in your relational life and what just you know explore new hobbies and maybe search for a new job, whatever was on your list, whether you wrote it down or it's in your head, pray you get everything you want. but I pray. Do you understand the fuel for keeping these commitments is not in your commitment to God, but in his commitment to you. He loves you and he wants to empower you and he wants to help you. You're not alone. And so now, after hearing this, let's say the Lord's prayer again together as we close. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you give us tools to know you. We don't have to figure it out on our own. You've given us This framework. Some of us, Lord, we've been praying this prayer our whole life, but it hasn't meant that much. And I pray that now it will mean more. Some of us, this is a very dear prayer to us. And so Lord, we pray that as we say this prayer and as we reflect on this structure, that you would even deepen our our commitment and relationship with you. Thank you that you're a good father and that you love us. Amen.